1: Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker.
2: Welcome to the Elk Shape Podcast. I'm Dan Staten. This is your Blue Collar, do-it-yourself self-guided public land elk hunting learning curve resource where we leverage hunting to create more personal development. Our goal is to educate and encourage our listeners to become the best possible version of themselves through hard work, delayed gratification, and being accountable to themselves. Hey guys, welcome to Elk Shape. Appreciate you tuning in. Let's get to it. So we got an awesome cast today with a good friend, Josh Bailey he is from kentucky i think you're gonna like his story we're gonna cover some cool stuff about just regular old school business and then we're gonna dive into the crossfit business a little bit and the reason why we talk about this is because he basically quits a corporate job to pursue his dream we're talking like a, a solid corporate job 401k great salary leaves all of it behind to pursue a dream to help people make themselves better. I dig that. And we talk about his Montana Elk Hunting Learning Curve over the last eight years. We even talk about our dads. We talk about general physical preparedness. This is a fun one. You're gonna dig it. So as far as the Elk Shape Partners go, Vortex Optics is signed up to help us out with the six Elk Shape Camps. We give away UHD binos to the Spirit of Elk Shape Camp. It's a surprise award every camp Somebody's walking away with that, and that's the best glass I, I, I can't even tell you. Kinetrek Boots is signed on as well. We'll have some special exclusive discounts for them. The same with On X Hunt. We're gonna teach you how to use On X Hunt, and then we'll give you a discount code at the end of camp, which is gonna be great. XO Mountain Gear is stepping up as well. More to come on that, but the new K3 4800 bag, I want everybody from the camps utilizing something that good when it comes to hauling out meat and be able to carry all your gear, whether it's your camp, your spike camp, your bivvy, or just day hunting. And so we're gonna share some with that. We're also working with Matthews Archery and Grim Reaper Broadheads Boning Archery. We're gonna have some pretty cool prizes to give away from tight spot as well and Sika gear. Uh, Siberian Coolers, Phelps Game Calls, Outdoorsman, Off Grid, Food Co, Easton. We got all these partners and the reason they partner with us is they don't just like Dan Staten. That's not it at all. They like elk shape. They like what we're doing. We're trying to make people better. It's about personal development. Becoming a better elk hunter will also allow you to become a better person, a better human, a better father, spouse, employee, employer. And so that's These companies get that. I want you to support them like they support us. And let's just make each other all better for 2020, which is almost around the corner. So lastly, before we get started on this podcast, and right now is your time to start reflecting on 2019. What went well? What went okay? And what could have gone better? And what is going to be your plan to make 2020 the best year yet? Reflect, because I'll be coming back to that in the next podcast and going a little bit further to get you guys set up to have not only your goals and objectives, but to create a roadmap so you conquer those slowly and steadily throughout the year so things last. We don't want short gratification. We want delayed gratification because those things last. All right. Without further ado, this is Josh Bailey, and you're listening to the Oakshade Podcast. O'Shape Podcast with me, Dan the Fitness Man, recording with a longtime friend, fellow bow hunter, fellow crossfitter, Josh Bailey. What's up, up, dog? How are
3: you? I'm doing great, man. excited to hear from you to catch up with you um since i moved from spokane the one time we text or talk is in september so i look forward to uh, catching up a little bit more
2: no doubt so you got a cool story you are a hunter you own a crossfit gym you have a real job too i don't yes. know we have to catch this all up to speed but uh, let's go back i guess uh before you and i met like how'd you get into hunting
3: um so the story goes i didn't uh, really hunt till i was 19 i killed a uh, I killed a deer when I was 19. My friend uh, Frank Shope, down. The, uh, I'm I'm from Harlan County, Kentucky, southeast Kentucky, uh, just mountains and coal mines, and uh, you know that's the Bible Belt. So in some ways, a little bit different than the than the Western Washington, where <clears throat> where I live now. But um, yeah, so I got invited on a, a deer hunt to Western Kentucky. Some friends of mine had a uh, at that time a deer lease out there. I hunted with a borrowed 30 all six. Uh, I, I was leaned up against a tree to kind of watch the sun come up. As the sun came up, I could see some, some does, you know, kind of breathing, I don't know, 60 or 80 yards away. Shortly thereafter, I, uh, I killed a doe and that was my first, really my first, uh, time to take an animal ever. And again, that was when I was 19 and man, I honestly kind of been hooked ever since.
2: Yeah. It kind of gets in your blood a little bit. Yeah. So I met you, gosh, I want to say like, correct me if I'm wrong, like 2009 or 10.
3: 2000, uh 2010 is when I started at uh, CrossFit Spokane Valley. I think March of 2010.
2: Oh, you got a good memory. So, yeah, so Josh rolls into the gym with his little Kentucky accent. We immediately <laughs> named him Tucky or Tuck. Yeah, I love it. And uh, dude was a beast. He was just this little powerhouse football player who uh, could move some weight really fast and was just a riot, man. You were so much fun to have at the gym. We were so lucky to have you. Um, and then you moved on to bigger and better things, kind of pick us up to speed after your first couple years of CrossFit, what was that like for you?
3: Yeah, well, I, I came to see you because I was so used to somebody kind of blowing a whistle and telling me and, and my teammates, you know, where to go and, and what to do and when to eat and when to watch film and when to practice and all that stuff. And turns out I actually need structure. And so, uh, a couple years out of football, I moved from Kentucky up to, uh, Rhode Island, into to Houston, uh, I, I kind of kept up with some jogs and a little bit of bodybuilding stuff here and there, but uh, I needed, uh, again, some structure. I'd heard about CrossFit uh, some years back, just it really never worked for my schedule. Maybe I didn't make it work when I was in Texas, uh, so I came to see you, and, that's, and, and again, just kind of like the hunting thing, that's when I got hooked, uh, kind of hooked on fitness. I'm a gym rat at heart, so growing up playing sports, that always that always made sense and so yeah I trained there with you uh with you guys for about a year and a half i moved uh away from there and um i think in about march of 2011 or something like that and so uh, again was with you guys for about a year and a half and uh moved to the west side here in seattle where i'm at now and uh i'm sure we'll get into it but that's really how i came into to uh bow hunting was to to meet some guys out here that uh, turns out they had a place in montana and uh and, and so I got you know basically invited on a bow hunt. Of course, if you're going to archer hunt, you know you need a bow. And so we kind of all all went to buy some, buy our Matthews Healy and bows together all those eight years ago or so. Uh, and then uh, you know we've done a lot of, kind of had some good hunts and had a lot of good time since then.
2: Yeah, you lucked out, man. You met some really good dudes over in Seattle that have a, have a place in Montana that and they invited you. I remember you reaching out and talking about what bow and. Getting excited for your first elk hunt, and I think weren't you successful your first year right out the gates?
3: My first ever bow kill uh, was about a two hundred and seventy inch elk. It was a, a a six by six that I killed at about twenty yards. I actually have it on film, and so I was absolutely ruined. You know that that was about my third or you know maybe that was a fourth day of an eight day hunt. Uh, we were on a wallow. Uh, this bull came in silent and uh or you know we were not calling to him he, he bugled as he was coming in real raspy real deep uh bugle and uh man I can just remember it like it was yesterday my you know I, I just you know couldn't breathe basically and uh and, and man it was so cool I had my friend uh Tabor there with me uh who has just become a real good buddy of mine uh, a guy that you know we've kind of grown up together uh, a lot of man the stuff you know those are the are are the real ogs and some of the guys that you talk to that do some backcountry stuff and you know and and i've had some i've learned a lot i'm a much better outdoorsman or hunter than i was eight years ago but those are the guys that really spend some time you know just like you that really spend some time in the woods that really uh, are good woodsmen that really know these animals and so i've just learned so much from those guys yeah man i just went on my I i was just there for my eighth year and so uh and I've been very fortunate to to learn and to have those experiences, uh, you know, with those guys in Montana.
2: Yeah. Well, we're going to get back into Montana. So you moved away, you found a gym over in Seattle, you were doing like insurance or something. And uh, you started yep. coaching, I think started coaching part-time a little bit just to maybe pay for the membership, but then it kind of that might've lit a passion and take, take us exactly, down that journey.
3: Yep. happy to do it. That's exactly what happened. So, uh, worked with you guys. That's when, you know, I, I met you and Kenton and, and you really, you know, you guys, you know, my story is no different than a lot of people who start CrossFit. You kind of, you really drink the Kool-Aid and it changes your life and it sounds so corny, but man, it's so true. And I looked up to both of you guys because you were very fit at, you know, into athletics, previous athletic background, love to hunt. And so I, you know, these are guys I want to surround myself with. And so, uh, um, I moved away. I go to, uh, um moved to Seattle. There's a gym uh, a mile or so from where my uh real job was. I had a corporate job, property and casualty insurance. Uh great experience, but you know, not my favorite thing. And so uh but luckily though, man, there was a gym, you know, literally like two, you know, maybe a mile from my work. So I could I spent a lot of time there and you know my <clears throat> my desire to become a better athlete, I just I really all I could do was think about getting to the gym to, to get a good workout in. And then that turned into wanting to hang around the gym more and understand more about movement and mobility. And I was lucky to be – there were some great coaches there. And uh, um, this was at CrossFit Bellevue. And so uh, some great coaches there, some guys that essentially taught me how to coach and uh, uh, taught me how to be a better athlete and how to proper movement. And, uh, again, my desire to be a better athlete kind of consumed me. Uh, then I wanted to coach. And then I just, you know, for a long time, and I'm sure you're the same way, man, my life revolved around the open now I'm 35 things are a little bit different but for about five years I mean almost every move I made throughout the year revolved around the open because I wanted to qualify as a regional athlete but um yeah so you're, you're exactly right I ended up uh coaching there I, I would leave work and then essentially my day job and then go to uh go to the gym coach classes one night a week that turned into a couple nights a week fast forward after really kind of spending a lot of time in the gym. Uh, being on a couple regionals team you know i saw you at regionals down there 2012 i think uh, I went 12 13 and like i guess 12 and 13 on a team and 14 as an individual but i remember seeing you guys and it's like man i gotta get down and so uh, again all my choices kind of revolved around that uh, i was able to uh, again do some of those things I, I was really unhappy with my with my day job i was getting more and more into trying to be a better a coach understand more about uh movement etc and uh an opportunity opened up to be a a full-time trainer manager there at at that gym and so I kind of took the leap man I I quit a comfortable corporate job with a good salary with you know extra cash type thing took a several thousand dollar pay cut you know I had 401k benefits all that I quit that to uh to be a trainer man And, and uh you know, and, and the rest is in some ways history in regards to, you know, opening my own gym. I, I got married this summer, and so my, you know, I met my wife at that gym. And so, you know, life is just crazy how it, how it all works out,
2: dude. That's a leap of faith. So you left the 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 cushy little corporate job. And seven years, seven uh, years. one K, the whole deal. Dang, and that's that's such that's crazy talk. But man, that's passion. You chased your passion life is short. You want to punch a clock doing insurance, or do you want to go help people move better, go feel better, go man, do better. And you did that's that. That's exactly right. <laughs> Love it, man. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's
3: exactly right. It, it was a leap of faith. And what I knew I didn't want to do was have my boss's job or, or, or again, the, you know, you, you know, we, we, to some extent you have to trade time for money, but I knew what I didn't want to do for an extended period of time. And so it was time for me to, uh, it was time for me to make a change. I did. I worked there for three years, uh, man, as you know, in, in, in the in the business that we're in, in regards to the gym stuff, you know, you you never know, there's there's really no other environment where you can have that same group of people in the same room at the same time, whether it's the janitor or the CEO or the the finance guy or the plumber or the whatever. At the end of the day, it's just guys and girls in workout clothes. Yeah, and everybody's titles are stripped away, and that's what that's what drew me to the whole thing is because. You can really get to know somebody, and, and so and and I love the people aspect of it. I love the help, and so anyway, I was really, really, really. That was just the right move for me, and you know, we'll we'll get into me opening my own gym. But yeah, that that was kind of my transition from uh, corporate life, day job into full blown. Uh, I'm a I'm a, I'm a trainer. This is how I make a living. This is how I pay my bills. Is just training people.
2: I love it. Yeah, and you became quite the athlete, like you said for those listening, like CrossFit games, you had to qualify to get to the games. There were several regionals. And just to get to regionals, which was a pretty big honor, you had to show up during their Worldwide Open. And yeah, I remember that you were on a couple teams. And I remember thinking, dang, he's doing something right. Because just didn't even couldn't believe your fitness and your work capacity had increased so much in the short time that you had left our gym. And Uh, you probably had some better trainers really, but, um, (laughs) uh, no, man, it all started
3: back in that Globo gym with you and Kenton back in the day, but you know, anyway, so, so, so I blame you guys.
2: Well, that's cool that you did that. Now I want to get into your three years working for the, the, the gym that led you into opening your own, because I want to get into your mind a little bit. So here you are, you're three years in, I suspect at some point you're like, man, this has got to cross your mind. Like, why am I working so hard for this guy's dream? Why don't I go and make my own dream? i I suspect that's what happened. But I want to hear the story from you, and as well as like, what were your best practices that you took with you, and maybe what were some of the things that you're like, ah, we ain't gonna do that at my gym.
3: Yeah, it's with, with anything. You can learn what to do. You can learn what not to do. And, and so again, with my time there, I, I was fortunate enough to to be to be around a, a, good group of people. The way the gym came about is because the gym we were a part of essentially, uh, closed, uh, for, for the owner's personal reasons. And so, uh, but, but you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I've heard you say this and, and I, this is true. It's like, I would rather work. I've heard you say that, you know, you would rather work a hundred hours for yourself than 40 for somebody else. And man, there's, you know, there's a lot of truth in that. Um, but you're right. At some point, you know, when you're jingling those keys at 5 a.m., it crosses your mind like, man, you, you know, I, I would like to do this on my own. With that being said, I'm very appreciative of the opportunity that I was given uh, a lot of the folks, including the guys that I hunt with in Montana. I mean, all roads, you know, I've, I've heard it said before, man, it's like all roads lead back to the gym where. That's how you and I know each other. That's how I met my wife. That's how I, I run with her. Uh, and I'm a lot less involved in fitness now than I used to be. So now it's a small part of my life to stay healthy and, and to and to live well. But it's not my entire life. And so anyway, um, you know, down the stretch there, when when the gym when it was inevitable, uh, things are, that were out of my control that that uh, that my current uh, that my job was going to be gone. That all these people that have come to know and love the gym that we were all a part of. No one love the trainers. I was I was one of those. Uh, when that was time to go, folks are looking at uh, you know me and my now wife to say, "Hey, you know, where are you guys going to go train people? We'll we'll follow you." And then that turned into, "Man, you guys got to open your gym." And, and then that turned into, "You know, you got to open your gym. We'll follow you." And how can we help you? Wow. Whether it's paint on the walls, cut the floor mats, find you know financially, uh, and, and so that's really kind of a how that came to happen. But, you know, that's just uh, then then the work really starts when you make a decision. As you know, I know you've moved your gym a couple times and and we are in the process of potentially having to do that. Um, And and so um, that's when the real work starts is when you sign a personal guarantee and, you know, and you you no longer have an income if you know you have to depend on yourself. Now we have a handful of employees, five or six or seven employees. And so now they count on us. And so that's a completely different pressure. But uh, you know, in regards to uh, y- you're going back to best practices and stuff. I mean, one one thing that we know that is important is is you know communication is the key. In some some cases, over communication. Uh, you know, I always tell my staff, and and I was told this too. It's like, guys, there's no thing that's that's too big or small for me to know. And uh, and it's not just me. You know, it's uh, you know it's my wife Annie. So it's 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 a it's a it's a we thing it's, it's her and I, you know, it's, it's not my gym and she's around when she can be. It's, it's our gym. And we, we, we both, uh, wholeheartedly kind of, kind of started that place, put our heart and soul into it. And we couldn't, you know, now that we have both, uh, have, have gone on to, you know, she's finishing up a degree, uh, a, a master's in law at UW. Uh, I have gone back to work, which we'll get into, uh, but we couldn't have done it any other way other than to be there. You know, as you know, sixteen hours a day or however long it was, daylight to dark, uh, to do the build out. And then early on we had no coaches. It was just us. And so we had to depend on us and then good, you know, we we had to find people from within the gym to help us because in that case we don't have to explain the culture. We you know, they can see it in our words and our deeds from day to day. Yes. Here's what we're trying to accomplish. They know that because they see me and, and they see my wife. What we're trying to, uh, the, the culture we're trying to build. And so uh, so that was important to us uh, because that was important. It took us a while to build a staff. And and I'd be interested either on or offline to talk, kind of shop with you about gym stuff because I know you, uh, you know, having an affiliate for 10 years, it's like we're about to hit our three-year mark. And, and it's it's just incredible how, uh, how this thing has come together, how people step up, how in so many ways you know, now that I'm away and at the gym less, uh, I'm I'm allowing these people to to step up into some important roles, have them take ownership of stuff, still be very involved, but not just there, not just coaching that many classes. And and it and it makes me want to be there that that much more when I'm uh you know, quite frankly, when you're not in there, you know, daylight to dark every day.
1: Yeah,
2: then no, that's huge what you just said at the end. I mean, yeah, I think a lot of gym owners and I don't know if everyone's excited to talk business, but I am. We a lot of gym owners will be like, "I'm not paying a bunch of people. I'm going to do it all myself. Keep all the money, and you know, eventually they will burn out." And honestly, you yeah, can't, but that's a real thing. It's can, a real. thing. I can say that. But that's a real thing, man. You can't coach. I used to coach all the classes, and towards the end, on um, so we. Fit, I think I sold on just after year eleven. Uh, at at the end of my uh, career, there. I was coaching 3 days a week, usually at the gym. I'd center around a class before and a class after I trained. So, not very much. And it was a really cool balance cuz I really looked forward to coaching and I really looked right, forward to working yeah. with people and getting getting them all. Right. And I'm an intense coach, as you remember, still am. I oh, just yeah. I'm an intense personality. Like I'm very driven and I expect if you're in my class, to give me everything you got. That's it. Just give me everything you got, and uh, I really enjoyed the people I got to work with, and uh, that was that was huge for us. But w- the thing that you said there about, you know, m- opening up a gym, dude, like that that you can open up a gym in a thousand square feet with maybe ten thousand bucks worth of equipment, or you yeah. can like build it and hope they come. How did you guys do it?
3: Yeah, well, we, you know, luckily, you know, and again, I'm not sure uh, how much folks, you know, want to hear about the business side. But, you know, they're uh, uh, we were fortunate in the sense that when we open the doors, you know, we have 30 people on, on the books ready for either recurring memberships or, hey, we'll, we'll pay in advance to help you get some capital to, to make this thing work. Sweet. And that's really how we made it make sense for us is to have those people who are, you know, what we call the founders club. These people are there from day one. They're, they're willing to uh, put some cash up front because they know they, they want to be there, you know, because they want to have a yes, they like us, but they they want to have a place that they like to work out. And it was worth it to them to be able to put some cash up front to help us get that thing built out. And um, and, and so that's essentially how we made it happen. And, man, just a lot of people volunteering a lot of their time. Um you know, day in and day out. For we we signed our lease on January the third uh, and opened up on February first. And literally every single day, you know, basically, you know, let's call it fifteen or sixteen hours every day uh, until we got it done. We opened up on February first, and and uh, again, here
2: we are, about uh, you know, almost three years, uh, three years in. Having a lineup of people ready to go is. I would be afraid not to do some sort of pre-sale, some sort of Founders Club. I would be yeah. afraid. I know when I uh, when I moved back from Boise, I knew I was going to open CrossFit. But I got a job at a local gym being a personal trainer for six months. While I already had signed the lease, I had more time to kind of get it ready. And then those six months, man, I hustled my buns off to get as many clients ready to follow me when I got to tell them, oh, hey, uh, I opened my own gym. We don't have to do... These style workouts at this global gym anymore. I got a place right down the road. Most of my clients well, followed me, and that really helped keep us whole. But I told people before on this podcast, I didn't take a salary of my first year. I had to right. kind of live off savings, and it was tough, yeah, man. Same. But uh, well, it, it was and, worth it. And
3: from your well, and from your proceed, you were you had a CrossFit gym before it was cool, and you're also in an area where there you were there wasn't that many. You were either the first or one of the first. Um, and and it's a little bit different. So, you know, I I was several years behind you also on the West side where there's, I mean, you know, the secrets out and been out for a long time. And so that's another thing that could be a challenge too. I mean, you know, you guys were, you know, when I started with you guys 10 years ago, I mean, it was still underground, baby. It was still, you know, the old the they're kind of the shitty website type thing and, and just could not get on there fast enough to see what the craziness was, was uh, going to be. And so definitely the, I, I think there's an advantage to like in your case, to be an early adopter. But, um, but, but in our case, we, we knew that we were not early to the game, but we, but we knew with, with the area and, and the people we had that we, we still wanted to be able to plant our flag in the neighborhood some new developments around and and make it make sense for us you know and again um uh, so far so good we you know the good thing about being a small business like we both are it's you know you, you can be a speedboat and move pretty quickly based on what the scenario dictates and we're trying to, and, and i'm still not always good about that it's like i i know the decision that i or we need to make and sometimes it's still uh, a little bit difficult but um we are uh uh, again trying to, to take advantage of of being small and you know being able to make uh, to make you know quick quick moves when
2: we need no, to. I feel you. Um so in your three years you went from coaching most of the classes to now you've backed off, you've had, you've basically delegated a lot of roles and responsibilities. Yeah. And you've created systems, which means you've actually created a business. No longer did you just open up a job for yourself; you created a business. So, where did you? Where did you you decide to? You you said
3: it exactly right. That's (laughs) exactly a great way to put it. And I and I'm just that just hits home because, you know, what I did early on was buy myself a job, and really early on, a job
2: with no salary. I, I love that. So what did you when did you finally like get to a point where you're like okay, I can back off and what did you decide to do with your extra time? You got a different job. I want to hear about that.
3: Yeah, so I'll give you kind of the the short story is the fact that you know, number 1, we we knew that we had the the players involved. One of our coaches, Steve, he's he's a guy, he's, he's he has some CrossFit experience. He came in, he was an athlete at the gym. And he was spending more and more time there. He lived nearby. I, I kind of saw some of me and him in regards to, like, you know, he's starting to get fit. He's seeing changes in himself. And, and, and then he's hanging out a little longer before class, after class. And so my wife and I, you know, we, I, I can't remember exactly how it went down, but essentially approached him to say, hey, man, you know, is it, you know, would you be interested in coaching? And, and I, I think the way it went was he happened, yes, he was interested. He had thought about it too. And so that was kind of step one. Uh, even before him, we had some people we knew previously that were uh, willing to that only needed part time work, and that's really what worked for us. Yeah. was to take classes here and there. Uh, you know, we had a couple guys and girls trading for a membership, and then ultimately, what we found worked best is is um, you know there is a scenario where you know that exists where the trade for membership thing works great, but it's just so much cleaner uh, for these guys and girls to get paid for their services because money gets funny, and and so. it's just, we can all feel good about it when they come in, they do a job, they have expectations because they're getting paid, you know, paid to do that. Um, but it, but it boiled down to just having the right team in place, you know? So, so now we have these coaches who are, uh, and, and I, I gotta give a lot of credit to my wife, Annie, who was really good about, uh, a lot of, you know, really her project was to, to run, um, uh, basically a, a, a coaches on-ramp program is to coach coaches and is to do evaluations. Although I did some of those, that was really her project is to evaluate these coaches, um, uh, to put out, you know, SOPs, just basic open and closing stuff, but, but then also how to run classes uh, again, what the expectations are, uh, for every class. And, um, so she, you know, credit to her for laying those things out. Um, and then trusting our, trusting our guys and girls to really get the job done. And so once I, I saw that, that those things were in place, um, I, I knew it was going to be time for us anyway. You know, I'm, I'm 35. My wife's 30. You know, we, we got married in July, July 6th in Leavenworth. It was a fantastic, uh, fantastic day. And, um, you know, we, we knew that we want to start a family. And as it stands, you know, both of us, you know, we had all our chips in the gym. And so that just wasn't going to, we have a really good thing going, but we knew for us to make it work that, uh, that we were going to go back to work and she was already again, pursuing a master's. And so she'll be done with that. Her second master's actually, cause she's, uh, uh she's a smarty pants. Dang. And so, uh, yeah, so she'll be going to work for that sometime in the middle of next year, but I knew it was time for me. I, I got an opportunity, uh, doing commercial real estate property management. Uh, Annie's family is in real estate. I was really intrigued by um, uh, kind of their story and what they have going on, and so uh, it's it, it, it's all about timing. It was timing and an opportunity, and then something came came across that I that I couldn't pass up. And quite honestly, just to kind of bring that full circle, man, it's been so good for me personally. It's been so good to 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 really, you know, have to get up and go. You know, there's a saying. It's like if you want something done, ask a busy person. It sounds crazy. I can get more done now knowing I have to. Coach a 5:30 a.m. class uh, because oftentimes I'll coach a 5:30 class, go to work, and then sometimes go back and coach a 7:30 p.m. class. That's like our sprint, kind of like a 40-minute hit class. Not every day, but some days, and uh, and it's and it's been great to to get back to get back to work. Let my people, our people at the gym, thrive. And again, you know, to your point, it's like in so many ways, being there less makes me love to be there when I'm there. Just this past week, I stopped by to say hello. I didn't. I actually didn't. Didn't work out that day. Uh, Steve was coaching, running a great class. I just stopped by to say hello. I kind of made my round, slapped fives with my people for fifteen minutes, and then I was home to have dinner with my wife at a decent hour, which I liked a lot. And so it's it's been great for us. It's been great for our family. And quite frankly, we can help other people. You know, I can help as Steve coaches more. He, he's bringing on more personal training clients, and so really giving those guys ownership, stepping away, trusting these guys. Uh, it's 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 so obvious, but it's it's hard. It's easier said than done. Is to kind of step back and let these guys really take the reins. And it's been uh, it it's been one of the better things we've done business wise and and personally, just 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 have more peace with everything that's going on. And plus, I'm learning a ton at work. I feel challenged, and it and and it's just been cool.
2: Yeah, you got to stay challenged, man. And and I think that you 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 know you're hinting to the fact that you're having more time more quality time with your wife, home for dinner. What is that? I mean, that's like, oh, this is what normal people do. Yeah. They sit down and break bread and, uh, man, there'll probably be some kids along the way. And I know you got a dog or two around there.
3: Oh yeah. Yep. Totally.
2: Uh, what's your dog's name?
3: Yeah. Riley, the Weimer rounder, you know, Riley from back in the day. Yep. He's, you know, I actually got her in Spokane. She just turned 10, got (laughs) her from breeder in Spokane, called them recently to get another dog. But, uh, you know that the dave or whatever changes number there in spokane but uh then we have Kona. she's a rescue and so we are a two dog family uh we take the dogs kind of everywhere we go man whether it's out on hikes or camping or we just went to portland this this weekend so you know luckily you know my my wife she loves to be outside she you know she was in in the military so to go and and to be outdoors and to hike or you know whatever with her it doesn't have to be a, a, a plush vacation for us to have a good time together so that that's that's one thing that I appreciate uh, about her.
2: That sounds like a good woman. I look forward to meeting her too. Yeah, I know man. our paths will cross. So let's go. We're gonna cross court. Go to go back to Montana. So, dude, you get this new bow. You yeah, meet these homeboys, and yeah. <sighs> not gonna lie, a little bit jealous that the first year. I think I got a text from you. We're like, yo, what up, Dan? I'm a, I'm in these guys' jet. We're we're flying over to Montana. We're going hunting. I'm just like, okay, what'd you say? So, break that down. Like, you just have you ever been in a private jet before? Was that your first time going to L camp in a jet? Listen, what is that?
3: Listen, your boy's from Southeast Kentucky, man. I'm a country boy. And it's like, you know, I came up here and it goes back to the gym, man. I, I you know, w- without getting too far into it, I met a, a group of guys that uh, we just. You know, we we like to it's shared suffering, man. We we all like to 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 work hard and play hard. We're in there getting after it. We're getting to know each other. We we go to the same class, uh, you know. There there at uh, the CrossFit in Bellevue, and as we get to know each other a little more deeply, we're talking about you know. Of course, I'm the country boy, so there's always some jokes about that. I'm sure hunter fishing comes up, whatever the case was, and uh, you know, I actually. So my, my Matthews Helium was not my first bow. I had a PSE Typhoon. My uh, dad got me that. Maybe that was like a 15, you know, Christmas when I was 15 or 16 or something. The only thing I killed with that bow, and of course that's back when it was just all aluminum arrows and stuff, you know, I, I killed a bunch of stumps and broke a bunch of arrows with that bow. And of course at that time I wasn't buying my own stuff. And so, you know, looking back, that was a, you know, that was a bonehead move because, uh, you know, I I do my best not to break these full metal jackets when I can. <laughs> you know, going yes. Yeah, so we, you know, got an invite to a. You know, as you know, it's out of state. Those are not cheap. There's a, there's an application process, uh, and and I know a lot of the, your listeners are, are familiar with that. I am now, but to me, I, I had never um, hunted out of state, with the exception of I'd killed some deer in Texas when I lived in Houston. Um, and so, just to get myself familiar with that process, uh, application by March fifteenth draws. Yeah. I think same time in April. Okay, you know, and then it's like Christmas, and it's Christmas in April, or you know, you 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 get drawn in April, and then you you get that tag maybe in in july or august or something and that thing just hangs in my in my living room just you know it's like christmas in in july or you know whatever time that tag comes and so man we we had fun with it we all got our bows at the same time again i had a matthews helium um which was right after the zx7 or you know whatever it was um we would we would uh especially down the stretch, getting close to September, man, we would go up to Kenmore, uh Kenmore gun range. They had a flat course and then a walkthrough course and we would meet, you know, once a week. We're we're going to do the walkthrough course. Uh, we're, we're just hanging out, we're shooting bows, you know, archery is like, it, it's, it's like therapy 20 yards at a time. And I really believe that even to this day, if I'm having a bad day, my wife is like, you know, you need to go to the archery range and just shoot your bow. And it's true. And I, you know, and I come back a better man, but, um, mm. so my, so first September was, um, you know, that would have been, uh, again, that was eight, eight years ago. And, um, we are hunting a, uh, uh you know, j- just a private cattle ranch basically, and, um, you know, at the time I had, <clears throat> I know where I can take it. This is the first time I heard a bugle in the, in the woods. We get mm. there before dark. I i think we, I remember it like it was yesterday. I think we, if I remember correctly, we had an early flight. So we got there uh, early enough to get changed and get right in the woods before dark. And I had, you know, at this time I'm doing my homework. I'm looking at all the videos that we all look at to get hyped up for September And, uh, and then like, I can't believe it. I'm in real life, in real time. I'm here and what I've heard, you know, uh, for all these videos, for all these nights, it's like Christmas. You can't sleep about to get on the plane. And, um, and, and then we have a lot of close encounters. You know, this is my eighth year, and and I learned something. You know, every every time. But um, again, I was able to connect. uh, I think on about my fourth day, and so for the rest of the trip, I was kind of trying to shoot some coyotes. You know, while these guys were hunting, and at that time, I didn't know how to call. I didn't. You know, I didn't really know what I didn't know. So I'm just trying to help in any way I can. I mean, I'm in the kitchen washing dishes and stuff, you know, trying to earn my keep. Uh, you know, one of my friends said, as a southerner, the the main thing uh, at hunting camp is to get invited back to hunting camp. So that's like your main job. And uh, so I was doing everything I could to continue to make the team and, and to continue to go out there and hunt. And as you know, man, it's not, it was so great to, I mean, it was great to fill the freezer. And, and I'm hooked, you know, now I've, I've uh, fallen in love with archery as a discipline. Yeah. Uh, I, I love just love to hunt in general. But, uh, you know, now I you know, it's it's about hanging around the table with your boys and swapping stories and talking about life and staying up a little too late and getting up too early and not feeling good. But you got to do it anyway. And, uh, <laughs> it, you know, and getting miles on your boots and just uh, and all those close encounters, all those times that you mess it up. It's like, damn it. I, I, you know, I did what I knew I shouldn't have done or I didn't know what to do. And I, you know, and I and I mess it up and through all those you, you eventually are able to connect, whether it's, it's the T in the graph from luck and it's like strength, it's like time under tension. It's like enough time in the woods. Um, it's, it's going to happen. And again, I just devote a lot of my, uh, my success to, man, the people I'm around these, these guys are, I mean, they know these woods like the back of their hands. And so it, you know, the, the reality is that the hunt we went on and the experience we had, and we have from year to year, just like you, it's like, it really can't be bought and paid for. It, it's just something that you that you you go and experience and everybody's experience is different, whether it's in my case, I got fortunate enough and got to get there a very cool way and hunt at a very cool place. But but the experience is what you make it. And I have that week soaking on the calendar. Yes, because the way we get there is cool. The guys that I'm with are cool. But it's a combination of all those things, the the potential to get a red arrow, all those miles on your boots. And, and then maybe you miss or a misstep, and, and you and you blow them out of there, you know, whatever the case may be. But I but I just get fired up thinking about uh you know how those weeks change you when you come back and are just you know ready to go again next year.
2: Oh, amen. I, Josh, you're so entertaining to listen to. I gotta tell you, man, you are one of my favorite people. So I want you to do me a favor. Let's go through like a retrospective. Josh Bailey eight years ago, yeah. elk hunting. Josh Bailey just yeah. a couple months ago, elk hunting. What do you see are the differences? What has he learned from like a third person looking back? Where is he on his learning curve? What are some yeah. of the things he don't even like do anymore? What are some questions that are now answers? Things like that.
3: Yep. No, I, I am with you. This is no certain order. First thing that comes, I mean, I, you know, now I've learned how to effectively call. I, I, I can, I'm, I'm, I'm confident in my abilities to call. Uh, I couldn't win a contest, but I can call a bullion. Um, that's not number one but that's the first thing that came to mind yeah um it's it's the ability to know uh when and where to go when to set up um you know which it which a lot of comes with knowing the terrain mm-hmm. right knowing, Definitely. knowing that you can't, knowing that you can't get in front of a herd of bulls man it's like we, we see bulls Can this is my first few years and i still do this it's like you know, I'll ask, it's like, Hey, do you think we can get in front of those bulls? It's like, absolutely not. We're, we're not getting in front of them. (laughs) Right. And so, you know, for years it's like, no, you know, maybe we can, it's like, you know, there's zero chance. And so it's, it's, it's knowing when it's, you know, when and where to go, which comes along with knowing the terrain, using the topography to your advantage when you can, again, knowing where to set up, how to set up, you know, looking at, um, Oh, patience, you know, knowing even when to, draw, you know, when you see an animal and this goes for like deer hunting too. I mean, I, I've, I've messed these up so many times. It's, it's crazy is just to know is to be patient enough to know when to, when to actually draw and when to let down. It's not going to happen. Um, so pay and, and the only way to know that man is because I've messed it up to draw at the wrong time. And then you spook them out of there and then you may not see that elk again or, or deer in my case, in both cases, actually, because I've messed both of those up. Um but it's it's the ability to um what else? Oh, it is to try to stay ready. I mean I've been my first or second year over there, I, it's mid morning, so a lot of the now the bulls are kinda shut up, the kind you know, they're all going to lay down and, and um just kinda lollygagging, didn't have an arrow knocked, and just kinda making too much noise and I come around the corner and there's a very nice mature bull facing directly away from me. You couldn't see anything but a big brown butt and big horns. And uh Oh, there was zero chance of me to get my bow up and try to knock an arrow. So it, it, it it's just to, you know, I've tried to remind myself, it's like, man, if I'm out here to hunt, then let's always be on the hunt. And, and you got to, I got to kind of constantly remind myself because after you've walked a bunch of miles and maybe you've not done any good, it's done any good. It's so easy to get lax, you know?
1: And, and so, yeah. uh,
3: and, and so I, I try to, I, I try to be better about staying ready, uh, patience, timing, knowing when to draw, knowing when to call, you know, don't step on something when you can step over it. I mean, just basic stuff like that. And, and that type of stuff I, you know, I knew, but it, it's really being in the woods, being in and around elk and, uh, man, and messing it up a bunch and learning from just, uh, again, from, from guys that know what they're doing.
2: So general area of Montana, don't give it away, but what's your general area? So I can get an idea of the land. Yeah, think about like Pintler Mountain Range. So think about like Southwest Montana. Uh, I think about Timber Pockets. I think about some pretty big mountains and some big rolling hills. I also think about big herds, like no little herds, like real big herds with lots of bulls, real tricky. Some of those times, even if you're on private property like you guys are, like you almost have to put the calls away and just intercept or wait for them to bed, like that patience. Like would you say most of the bulls you've killed in Montana have been midday where you're getting in on their bedding areas or are you literally getting out in front of them? what's been your experience uh
3: it's been um the you know i've killed some cows over there too the the cows have mostly been intercept. I there's been guys there that have killed elk like that that have basically i don't even know if they were calling they, they were just at the right place at the right time the uh you know killing that bull on, on a wallow that was just that wallow had been used we sat there i've Sat there ten other times and seen nothing but squirrels, uh, <laughs> so, you know. Yes. And so, um, but we have also so, and that was in the evening. the The bull I killed last year um, was in the morning, about I think eight thirty, and they were just pissed. I mean, coming in hot, you know. So my buddies behind a tree, you know, raking. I'm, I'm up at the ready kind of standing up um about to pass out and fall all the way over when i can see this bull coming down yeah in this in this instance i could watch him come down a hill look up rake a tree bugle walk slowly piss break more trees and so in that sense it's almost harder because it is just, oh. you know but in those cases yeah so we we've called uh you know one case was kind of right place right time but we have actively i mean and it really depends on how hot they are. You know, we're usually the third week of September. Uh, it depends. You know, we can debate on on how the how the moon uh, you know affects uh, you know when these uh, cows go into heat. But um, we generally plan our trip around the moon phase. Um, but more than anything, it's weather. We've found that just that it really dictates when and how much uh, that these that these elk are going to move and how hot they are because we've been in there and, and it you know and, and and hear nothing i mean there's been days when we've heard nothing but you know when they're hot in there man they're hot and there's nothing man there's nothing more fun when those elk are hot and they're they're vocal they're calling you can call one in and if you mess it up you can call another one in on two ridges over
2: yeah i love i live for those days i thought that so i can't yeah. get enough of that you know? Cannot get enough of that. That is what I signed up for. That is what I'm interested in. And I also don't mind spotting stock elk if you're in that kind of country. But yeah. so when you guys do the midday madness deal, uh, are you able to kind of get a pretty good lock on where they've bedded?
3: Yeah. I, I, well, yeah. The, the, you know, the, the reality is, and this is no secret. I mean, this is not you know unique to where you know the, these elk are are going to bed in the timber and they're coming to the hayfield tonight. And and that's just that that's just what what they're doing. So we can we can get an idea of generally where they're at. And, um, and then we definitely put the sneaky sneak, you know, midday. I've, I've, uh, uh, you know, shot a cow just really midday, just kind of putting the sneaky sneak, you know, you know, in, in, archery season in this unit, um, you can kill a cow or, uh, or, uh, or a bull in archery. And then once it goes to rifle, unless you have a B tag, which generally we, we don't, um, then it's, it's bull only. And so, um, I've you know I've had uh, three three or four uh, archery kills over there, and the rest of the of the bulls I've killed over there have been with uh, have been with a gun. And you know, I guess one thing that I you know want to reiterate to to you and your listeners, it's like man, I, I I listen to you, I listen to, and and I know you. I mean, I know your stories, uh, and I and I, I follow you guys and some of the guys that you hunt with and and that are around. It's like you know, I've, I've hunted some, some tough, some public land stuff in Western Washington, And man, Washington, public land in Washington, it's, there's, it's tough. It's very tough. And that's not a sad story, but the reality is there, there are trucks at the trailhead. There's not a ton of, uh, deer and elk, you know, where I've been hunting on public land here. And so it's absolutely a different ball game on private land, but you still, you know, but they're not tied up over there. You know, you, you still have to get miles on your boots. You still have to have the know-how to get in and get on them. Um, but I definitely, I mean, so I am the, you know, the the difference in what what's where some of my success has come, just to put it out there, it's definitely been a little different than how you guys are doing it, public land style, uh, you, uh, you know, do it yourself and that stuff, and that's very badass. And I and I've done some of that. Uh, I haven't had you know as much luck as you and you know some of your guys have had. But that's something that I absolutely want to get into. But man, there's still you know, but but there's nothing like uh, uh, again getting out there, private land or public land or, you know, whatever the case is and uh, trying to get it done.
2: No, I agree. And I think you will get out there and experience some public land elk hunting in a better state than Washington. Sorry, Washington. There's still some good yeah. stuff there, but let's be honest. Let's be real. Get yourself in a different state, maybe even Montana and get yourself a public land bull. It's just a different vibe. It's a different feeling, but it's still elk hunting, man. It's still, you fill in your freezer. You're still packing it out. It's all the same things, but... One thing I was thinking of, because I have hunted private land in Montana through an outfitter in my early, early days, and we were not allowed, probably because he was an outfitter, but we were not allowed to hunt the elk in their bedding areas. We, they would come down to big alfalfa or big pivots. They'd travel five, six miles, and we would just do the intercept game in the morning yeah. and the intercept game in the evening, and we had to go back to camp during the day. Like we were not allowed because there was another set of hunters coming in the following week. And I did this yeah. hunt with Larry D. Jones, Bowhunter Magazine. Um, oh, yeah. And it was cool, but I'm there to hunt all day. I'm there to get worn out. I'm there to want to yeah. quit and I don't quit. Like I need all that yeah. for it to be the whole deal. Were, are you guys in a position where you can hunt those animals uh, midday? Or do you try to stay out of their bed in there and give them a little bit of sanctuary just for like upping everybody else's odds in camp?
3: Yeah, no, you, you hit it. Exactly. No, we, we do our best. Although, I mean, I, you know, I did have a story there about, you know, and that's not even midday, you know, when I, you know, I've, I've shot a cow kind of not even bedded, but just in the timber. Uh, but, but even that was kind of, you know, let's say nine o'clock. So yeah, generally midday. No, I mean, I mean, I can't even think of a really of a time we've really hunted midday, maybe a hunt's going good and you go late in, in, into the morning, But yeah, we, we always make an effort, uh, not, you know, because if you blow these elk out of there and they go to wherever they go to the BLM land or some other property, you know, sometimes once they go, they're gone at least for a while until they feel like it's calmed down in there. And so we always try to, uh, leave one side or the other alone so we can go kind of save a spot basically. Yeah. Okay. You know, we're going to let this, you know, we're going to let this spot rest for a couple of days. We'll come back. It's Monday. We'll, we'll come back Thursday night. Okay.
2: yeah you, so know you gotta tread lightly be? be delicate in certain spots um and then go from there I, I get that um so what is on your radar man for 2020 now that you're gonna have a little more freedom you got a real job yeah. but you got this gym running good yeah you got this beautiful wife yeah are you wanting to get out and and do some other elk hunts or do you just have time for one elk hunt a year
3: no man i i uh there's a couple things something i really got on my mind and i actually is to hunt with my dad you know i see uh you know i know your dad and i and and i know you guys have just to the extent that i that i knew you guys when i lived in spokane um uh uh, you know my guy rod but uh (laughs) you know i i I see how you guys are hanging and i know everybody's situation is different and you guys kind of you live in the same area and you kind of got your spot there in idaho but uh I actually uh, paid for uh, with money I didn't have and took time I really didn't have for a uh, for an, a hog hunt with my dad down in Tennessee for his 66th birthday. Wow. All right? So this was uh, this was last. Let's see this this coming March would be two years, and so and and the reason I did that, other than the fact that I wanted to kill a hog with my bow, was that um, I I just longed for that opportunity to to have that that time in camp, just like we do with our buddies, just like you do with your dad and your crew and your family. And so what's on for 2020 is potentially uh, a hunt. I've got some family up in Michigan. Uh, it, it's, it's potentially a hunt with some family in Michigan, like a gun hunt, but it boils down to something with my dad. So yeah. the, the goal, one of the goals for 2020 is to hunt with my dad somewhere, whether it's uh, public land in Southeast Kentucky where I'm from and I'll buy an out-of-state tag or, um, I've, I've actually got some ideas. I've got some fillers out on some places to go. So that's, if that's really my priority is to find a place to hunt with my dad. He killed his first, you know, I didn't, you know, outside of, you know, as a kid, kid as a young kid, I mean, we didn't hunt. Like I said, I didn't kill a deer till I was 19. And so that's just not part of what he and his parents had done. And so for, for me to be able to take him on a hunt, that was very cool. He, he killed a, uh, he killed a pig on his, on on maybe a second day in the woods. I think I killed mine with a bow a day later or something. He was hunting with a gun, but, uh, so it's to get something on the books with my dad. And if I had to, uh, and and one other thing, and I thought I was going to be able to pull it off this year, but I ended up filling my Montana deer tag with a whitetail. Yeah. It's to go to the Missouri is to go to the Missouri breaks in like that second week in November and uh, mule deer hunt. That's that's really uh, that's really what I want to try to make happen. I don't know if I can make both of those happen. So we'll see how the year shakes out with the new job and family and, and, and all this stuff. But, um, you know, I've, I've a, the last few years, I've, I've got a deer and an elk tag in Montana. And so I've been, again, very fortunate. I, I didn't uh, fill an elk tag this year, but uh, I did kill a deer with my bow. and uh,
2: A nice one, you know, too, it, by the way. That's yeah, great buck.
3: Yeah. Yep, I, I, yep. Yeah, yeah, I, I killed a nice five-point uh, uh, five buck with my bow. And, and, uh, Look at and you. And had I
2: not. You just said five point. You didn't. You, you, you didn't call it a ten point. You know. Listen, it's funny. And I meant
3: to. You know. You know. We were doing this. And I meant to bring this up to you, man. Listen, back home, it, You know, that's a ten pointer. That's just how we say. it. That's a ten pointer. Back here, it's all like five point bucks and cricks. So back home, it's cricks and ten pointers. You know what I'm saying. It is the truth. So, yeah. Yeah. Listen, I've been out west a long time, so I'm okay from my perspective. It's a crick and it's a five pointer yeah you know no, no good problem. on you and so, so man
2: what's your dad like so for example my dad is i i think everyone knows my dad is my best friend and him and i couldn't be badass you, you know hang out. we couldn't be po- more polar opposites yeah. he's six foot i'm five foot six he's 220 i'm a buck 50 he's right. super handy i'm getting there he is so generous <laughs> and just – he's so social yeah. and just chill. And I yeah. am so – wow. like I'm wound so tight, so driven, so focused. We couldn't yeah. be – but, he, man, he's my best friend. He's just the greatest guy in the world. What's your dad like, man?
3: Yep, I get that. Here's the thing. We are – I'm just a younger, less uh, – how do I say this? I'm a younger, slightly more fit uh version of my dad uh you know he's 67 he's lived a lot of life he uh he is kind of in so many ways the definition of kind of fat and happy he's he his stress level seems to be i know it's not true because we all have our stresses always at a zero yep i've never seen him have a bad day he uh his positivity he he's a positive guy through and through i tell my wife all the time if i'm having a bad day man i call my dad and at the end of the day all i want him to do is tell me everything's gonna be all right And that's what he does. And lo and behold, man, I just instantly feel better. He is the man. He is, uh, with a captive audience, he's the funniest guy on planet Earth. Oh, my gosh. He's hilarious, man. So we just, I mean, a lot of my personality, whatever that is, good or bad, is from him. Uh, And so I just, you know, a lot of times, you know, they're they're in Southeast Kentucky. I don't see him much, but I talk to him often. And so one thing that makes it so much, that, that makes it bearable, I should say, to live so far away from home is that I have a great relationship with my parents. I talk to them all the time. And so I can, uh, you know, if I have windshield time, 15 minutes, I'll, t- I'll call my dad and talk to him about nothing. Or if some life stuff's going on, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about something. You know, we talk about everything, you know, life and finances and, and goals and just all these these different things. But he and I are very similar uh, in some personality-wise. There are some ways, you know, he's old school, man. He, you know, so we, we always butt heads with stuff, but for the most part – I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy uh, spending time with him. I feel fortunate to have a good relationship with my, uh, you know, with my family and, and you know, with my dad. And, you know, now, now that I'm grown, he and I can be like buddies instead of him, you know, being a dad yeah. type thing. And so that's super cool. And so I gotta get him. In, you know, he's the guy. You know, my dad's a guy that tells you to buy a box of shells every time you get paid type thing. He's that guy. <laughs> you know, my dad's like the, uh, you know, got a couple of salt rifles and put one on layaway type of guy he's that guy and he is the man he don't you know he don't have much but he doesn't owe anybody anything you know he doesn't have much he doesn't need much and there's a lot can be gained from him and folks from that generation I mean they're just you know he he's in zero debt and he's proud of it and he lets me hear it if my situation if 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 I'm not in that situation you know he's just quick to kind of keep it real with me and and I just enjoy our relationship and because of that Because we are close, I want him to experience the things I've experienced sitting around the table, around the campfire, having a beer with your boys at hunting camp. And so me going on that hunt with him in Tennessee was my version of that. And I really desperately, like I really, really, really want to share those moments with him. I don't know if he has a a desire to to go kill a nice whitetail. If he doesn't, I'm not going to force it on him. But I know that he has a desire to hang out. And so I'm going to try to kill two birds on one stone and get him on a deer uh and and let him decide after he's after he's done it if if that's his thing or not. Yeah. And so uh but that and getting myself to the Missouri breaks, which I've only seen um through many, many, many nights studying uh or, or not studying rather, but just you know looking at at uh at photos and stuff and hearing stories of my buddies in Montana. You know, after eight years, these guys that used to be just guys that I, I met one time, you know, now I, I talk to these guys all the time. In some cases, you know, once a week, and we're always scheming on man, what's the next, what's the next, um you know, what's the next hunt trip? I mean, you know, I had my bachelor party in Montana, so we fly fish the Missouri. We, mm. you know, we we played golf. I mean, it was just a. You know, my I, I drive my wife crazy talking about Montana. So, uh, my my goal is to eventually end up over there. But for now, I'm very, very kind of happy with where I'm at with the way things are going. Uh, look forward to growing my little family and uh and and trying to get uh, those hunts on the book. So, 2020,
2: I got uh I got the Missouri breaks and I got a, a hunt with my dad
3: is kind of the plan.
2: Okay, I love it. I love everything that whole conversation went. Let's finish with this, Joshua. So. Talk to me. I like having a fellow pretty darn good CrossFit former collegiate football player guy who loves bow elk um dude I'm working on this program right now 90 days to freedom I'm trying to create like this workout template where you could do it at your garage you could do yeah. it at a box gym or a CrossFit gym or a Globo gym yeah. I'm just trying to create a template and it got me really thinking like holy smokes there's a lot of like dudes out there or ladies talking about how you got to get in shape for hunting and you got to like build the foundation and then you got to start specializing. And then towards the very end, lots of specificity, sports specific, blah, 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 man. And I'm yeah. I'm pretty educated in physical, you know, fitness and exercise, phys, yeah. like nerded out quite a bit in my early twenties. But I'm at the point where I like laugh at that stuff. And I, w- I shouldn't preface all this cause I don't want to influence your answer, but I already know your answer. So, but dude, general physical preparedness that's my always been my focus inside the four yeah. walls of any gym. I want to be able to do a lot of things really well. Sorry. I don't want to suck at anything and if I got some, you know, glaring weaknesses, I got I got to do something about it right away. And I go into elk yep. hunting season limitless and I have the only times I have a backpack on leading up to elk hunting season is when I'm bear hunting or when I'm scouting, checking trail cameras, shed hunting, uh, I don't ever really put a pack on and go. I'm training for elk hunting. Can you help me preach the gospel of general physical preparedness? In, you know. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Here's here's the reason that you and others are confident is because you've earned your confidence. It's like you know you don't go and hope you can hump over the mountain. You know you can hump because you've been busting your ass doing the program that you have created uh, and and that you've followed. And so uh, I I am with you about you know the the issue or the, you know, and it sounds so cliche, man, there's no magic pill. You have to do the work. And that's not just with getting in shape for elk season. It's, you know, as gym owners or maybe former gym owner or trainers, it's like, man, there's no substitute for doing the work. You know, as you know, our specialty is not specializing. Uh, You know, I, I always talk to people about, you know, general physical preparedness is, you know, do you have the ability to to jump up and, and sprint out of the building if it's on fire and bring your family with you type thing or, or to be able to, you know, carry your grocers inside or in this case, to continue to hump over that mountain. And, and so um, it's it's for, um, you know, we teach squats because you do it every day. You know, we, we teach the deadlifts because you're, you're bound to pick something up off the ground. And, and so um, we have seen people uh, truly, truly, Uh, through uh, a strength and conditioning program that's uh, around general physical physical preparedness to uh, you know to jump jump run lift you know squat press um, their way into changing their lives and do do things that they didn't think were capable but going back to your question it's man all all those uh, those fancy those fancy pieces of equipment and those new backpacks are man that is great you know but if you you know if you've not done your work if you've not earned your confidence you know then I think you're lying to yourself about uh, about getting in there and doing you know you got to do things you don't want to do to get to where you want to get and that's what it boils down to it's like I've, I've seen you say it and so I, I've repeated this and, and and I've also thought about this on my own too it's like man you know some days I don't want to work out but I do it anyway because that's what I want to do you know I, you know I know you say that you your why is so you can go and be a better uh husband father elk hunter and my why is is very very similar i mean it's not you know i don't i don't move through my day trying to be a a better hunter necessarily you know but i know if i'm the best version of myself through you know whatever i like to get up and read the daily stoic i mean i like to have my coffee do a little meditation i don't always feel like going to the gym but you got to get it done and and that's what i have you know that's kind of what i preach to folks i know that's what you're preaching to folks I know that your the elk shape camp is blowing up and so I I I uh I'm super excited to kind of hear more about that. Uh, I have seen some of your I, I haven't seen any specifics. I don't even know if you dropped anything on your on your 90 days of freedom, but I saw that, but my guess is I know what's in that programming because uh, again, it's what's for GPP. It's what's going to allow you to, you know, to get over the next hill to be able to put your pack on, to be able to, you know, pick something up off the ground and so uh, uh, I'm excited to see that stuff rolling out.
2: Thanks, man. I uh, I love what you said there because there's so there's more days than than I can want to admit that well, I just don't feel like doing it, and that's the days you got to go do it, and you never regret it. And uh, this happened to me today, man. I spent uh, I spent like six hours, maybe longer, fancying up my home gym, and I got it all spruced up, and I was like, man, I'm tired, and I got two podcasts tonight. I got to take kids to gymnastics. I got to make dinner. My wife works a long day. I was like, I don't want to work out. And I was like, bro, cool. you're doing it. And uh, so glad I did. Feel way better. And I am better because I worked out. Like I literally have better chemicals going on inside my body. I'm just a little more patient, a little nicer, a little, just a little better version of Dan pops out because I did the work. And I'm confident that, man, I did some hard stuff that, I could have easily talked myself out of and, uh, it's going to make, it's going to help me close the deal on elk. Yeah. I've
3: never done a workout when I thought, man, I I wish I wouldn't have done that. I mean, we, we all know what the result's going to be. You know, it's just, it's just getting your shoes laced up and getting it done. And, uh, and I, and I try to practice what I preach, man. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't always, you know, we as, you know, if I, I'm sure you still, I don't know, not sure what your current role is at the gym, but I know at least with elk shape, it's like people are looking at you for an example, man, whether you like it or not, people look to you and look up to you and see how you look and what you're capable of. And, and I know that the folks that are, that are in shape and really when I was very, very fit and, and, and I see that you're staying fit these days is, you know, the, the way you look is a product of just working your ass off and and having some decent nutrition and 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 eating real food and if you can catch it kill it or grow it then that's what you should consume and that's what we preach a byproduct of that is you know looking the way you look and 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 so so people look to you and i you know and so we have to practice what we preach and that goes back to man if i don't feel like doing it you know doing it i have to do it anyway and so um yeah i got to catch up also on your on your elk shape camp seems like you guys got some more locations dropping so Man, I got to figure out how to get myself to Spokane, or if you guys come to the west side, or who knows, maybe something at Coast CrossFit.
2: Oh, there you go. <laughs> <Maybe> twenty twenty-one. <laughs> I'm already. I'm only doing six in twenty twenty, and they're they're almost all done, booked, and registrations almost live. But I don't want to do more than six. It's kind of like that whole like teaching too many CrossFit classes and then know. getting burnt out. Like I just want to do six. I'm more excited about meeting the people. But besides doing the camp i just like meeting other hunters man it's just really cool and i get to know them really well but yeah 2021 let's come to your box let's do one unfortunately um we can give you a full ride to any any camp you want man you on me so if you want to come to the spokane one great you can crash at my house uh if you we got one in vancouver washington in may come at uh crossfit fort vancouver in archery world so that's not too far from you come down and hang Maybe out a check- yeah yep Joel Turner's coming to that one, and I'm really excited about that. Do you know who Joel Turner is?
3: Uh, tell me. Help me.
2: He's the shot IQ guy. So, yeah, he's w- actually won World Calling Elk Championships a couple of times. Uh, he sounds better than real elk in person. And so <clears throat> the dude is an elk whisperer, and he's got a really cool couple of tactics that he does that I've never heard anyone else doing. He's very consistent, successful. He's a law enforcement by day, but he does his shot IQ camps for basically – whether you want him in or not, you got some degree of target panic and he's going to teach everybody how to squash that and how to oh, have a controlled I, shot process. So yeah, I know he's like, I do. he's like the man he does. He wears two hats and they both are part of my camp. And I'm like, ah. Oh. so Joel's going to be at that Vancouver one. I'm pretty pumped. But dude, we got to run. Um, where can people follow you on Instagram? And then also check out your gym for those that live nearby. And they're like, hey, I'm a hunter. This guy's a hunter. He owns yep. a CrossFit gym. I want to hit that place up.
3: Yep, not, not super active on Insta, but it's Boss Bailey 44 uh, My gym is Greycoast, G-R-E-Y, greycoastcrossfit.com. And uh, check, if you're in, uh, man, if you're on the west side or if you're in Bellevue, come through and check us out. Uh, for those of you that haven't uh, attended the elk-shaped camp, man, I haven't, but I've known Dan for 10 years now. And at some point, Dan, we got to tell the story, maybe next time we talk, if we go for round two, about me videoing you on a turkey hunt I showed up with a shotgun, probably, you know, showed up with a short story, showed up with the shotgun. I was going to be hunting. You were going to be on the camera. Anyway, turns out that was a bow only. Now I'm on the camera and I got to video you way back before elk shape was a thing. So at some point we got to dig in the archives and, uh, Oh my
2: uh, gosh, I forgot. Dude. I, okay. So number one, that was the best turkey hunting spot. Uh, if you're into turkey hunting, which I'm not, but if you are, that is like the best turkey hunting spot ever, and it's surrounded by like residential houses on the west side, the north side, and then you got this river on the the east side, and so it's just this little spot that this guy at the gym owned, and he's like, "Man, I got so many turkeys. Can you please hunt there?" And I was like, "Okay," and you showed up with a shotgun, and I was like, "No, dude, you need a bow to hunt here." And I did. I again, I just horrible communication. So yeah. yeah, we did a we did a spot and stock deal, and uh, yeah, we got yeah, one. And I had
3: killed a bunch of turkeys growing up, so I was fired up. So you know, so so I got to uh, trade places, you know, be behind the camera. And anyway, so I don't, man, I don't know why that popped in my head, but that that seems like it was yesterday. I had a, a super good time doing that. And at some point, man, we got. I know it's tough. You're now you guys are blowing up. Super excited for what you guys are going on is to find an excuse to somehow go on a hunt, whether it's a spring bear hunt figure Ooh. out how to get to Idaho or something like that. But spring bear, you, you had love, me sold. I would love to do that, but man, let's stay in touch. Keep up the good work, man. I'm following you from afar. And I actually always, even though we didn't talk, it was that one text in September. Cause you know, I know where you were, you knew that I was going to be chasing out. And so kind of always, uh, at least kept in touch with you uh, a little bit. Definitely kept up with you, uh, again, just online. So super fired up, uh, you know, about what, what you uh, are doing over at elk shape, man. So keep up the good work, Keep up the good content. Keep up the videos, man. People love the, you know, I love the archery stuff. Love the, you know, putting the bow together and all that. So keep the good stuff coming. Love to do a round two. And uh, let's stay in touch, man. If I can help with anything you got going on, I would love to. And I'd love to get on a hunt with you sometime.
2: Josh Bailey, man, nothing but love for you, brother. Have a great night. Thanks Bulldog. for your time.
3: Bulldog, you're the man. Talk to you soon, buddy.
1: All right, bud. Peace. Hey, elk hunters. Corey Jacobson here from elk 11com And if you're like me, you're probably thinking about elk hunting every day of the year and working continually to maximize your chances for success this fall. Well, Dan and I have created a special opportunity for you that I feel will absolutely take you to the next level in elk hunting, regardless of your previous experience. Three years ago, I created the University of Elk Hunting online course with one goal in mind, to make you a more successful elk hunter. The UEH online course contains 45 chapters of detailed elk hunting information organized into 17 modules and covering every imaginable elk hunting topic. From planning and scouting to calling tactics and tracking and every topic in between, the University of Elk Hunting online course is the most comprehensive and complete resource available to elk hunters. And for listeners of the Elk Shape podcast, Dan and I have teamed up to offer you a 20% discount when you sign up. Simply go to elk101.com, click the link to the online course, and use the code ELKSHAPE, all one word, when you check out. You owe it to yourself to invest in the single most lethal weapon that you take to the elk woods each fall. Invest in you. Sign up for the University of Elk Hunting online course and elevate your elk hunting success today.
2: You know, that was a fun podcast to kind of just talk about business, CrossFit business, gym business, chasing your dreams squashing a corporate dead-end job that's really not bringing joy in your life, chasing Montana elk, the learning curve, talking about our dads, talking about being a great dad, Talking about general physical preparedness. I mean, that was a great episode. I enjoyed the hell out of that. So I appreciate you guys tuning into Elk Shape. You got a lot of choices out there. And, and I'm biased, but I think ours is one of the best. We try to keep it real. We try to bring on regular people that don't have a huge Instagram following or a social or YouTube channel. These are just the regular people like us that are just infatuated with Elk hunting and the sounds of September. So Josh Bailey, he's one of those dudes. He's a beast and just a great guy. Elk Shape camps, I need people signed up. If you are coming you know christmas is around the corner i get it but hey it's time to get punch the trigger if you're coming punch it and then we're going to teach you how to not punch a trigger how to shoot a controlled shot process how to call elk communicate with elk learn elk behavior locate elk how to scout ahead of time not only from a desktop using google earth gaia top rut but integrating that into your Onyx and on your phone and then creating a plan for yourself that has clear and decisive expectations of your hunt, who to hunt with, and then strategies for when you're there for solo elk calling, calling with a partner, calling to pressured elk, finding elk that are not pressured, finding escape routes, and then the whole fitness component, we're gonna make you quit being weak. And there hasn't been one person that has come to my camp and I've been like, oh man, you got it all together. We have literally crushed every person at some point. I will find, I will sniff out your weakness and I will expose it. And then you will have the opportunity to create a game plan for yourself for the following year so you can minimize your weaknesses and maximize your strengths and become the best possible version of yourself. We even bring a finance guy. We bring a fiscal fitness coach, Jeff Bynum. He's coming to every camp to have time carved out with every athlete to, hey, just discuss like where you at on your debt? to income ratio? what do you, Are you saving for the future? Do you have a plan? How are you affording this elk hunting endeavor? Are you How much money are you putting away each month? And where do you see yourself? I love all that. This is all about self-improvement and we leverage elk hunting to do that. And I can't thank all of you enough for tuning in. I can't wait to catch you on the next one. We've got some really good podcasts coming up down the road. You guys keep working and, and busting your butt and hustling towards your goals. We'll catch you on the next one. Peace.